My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Well, it has been a month now since we launched, since we actually concluded our Expat Money Summit. And I have had so much work to go through after the summit. First of all, the summit went amazing. I was really, really happy with how things went. We had a lot of fun, and I think we did something like 40 presentations, maybe even close to 50 presentations when you count in all of the nighttime ones and all the other videos that were done. So it was a very, very intense week. And I wanted to sleep and relax after the summit, but we had so many other things on the go and I was behind in a lot of my private client work. So I had to take care of everybody. But what I want to do today is just play for you one of the presentations from the summit. I'm not going to be doing this for any of the other presentations, just this one. And it is because it is with Dr. Ron Paul and he is just a pure personal hero of mine. And I think he's just such an amazing man. If you didn't get a chance to listen to this when it went live at the summit last month, I want to make sure that you have a chance to listen to this one. So this will be the only presentation that we will be putting out on the podcast. For those of you who upgraded to the founders or the VIP, you can go back and listen to all of the other presentations. You have lifetime access to it. But for everyone else, I want to make sure that you get a chance to listen to Dr. Paul because he really is so fantastic. Now, if you guys still go to expatmoneysummit.com, you're going to be able to join the waiting list for next year's summit. So if you're listening to this and you go, geez, I wish I could have caught Dr. Ron Paul live or Doug Casey or Jim Rogers or any of the other people, and you want to see who's going to be coming up first next year's summit, then you can join the waiting list. So if you go to expatmoneysummit.com, put in your name and email address there, and I will send you information as soon as it comes out. We're going to be doing some early bird tickets coming out in the next couple of months, so you'll be the first person to get those as well. So on that note, I will jump right in. And here is my conversation with Dr. Ron Paul. Our next presenter is Congressman Dr. Ron Paul, author, activist, physician, and retired politician. Dr. Paul had an incredible career. Beginning in the 1960s as an OBYN into the 1980s, he delivered somewhere around 4,000 babies in rural South Texas. During the 1970s, he founded the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity, and in 1976 began his career as a politician. He was the Libertarian Party nominee in 1988 and as a candidate for the Republican Party in 2008 and 2012. In 2015, the former 12-term U.S. congressman from Texas launched the Liberty Report to discuss his provocative opinion and to analyze breaking issues affecting our lives and finances. And he is still going strong today. 
He is the author of End the Fed, The Revolution, and more. Please welcome Dr. Ron Paul. Dr. Paul, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Um, I thought maybe we would just start off today's conversation. I'm curious your opinion about what has happened over the last two and a half years, and really, how did we get here? <laughs> well, there, there's a lot to that story. I, I think the two, last two and a half years has magnified you know, the problems we've been facing for a long time, especially if you look at the economy. People say, well, it was all COVID, and that was the problem. But even before COVID hit, I was... Uh, mentioning the fact that we are in for the correction because we had been inflating. We've been inflating since 2008, and there had to be a correction. So we were moving in that direction. But then it was uh, an added problem when they concocted this uh, scaremongering with uh, COVID because it meant more spending. And more spending was astronomical because if you add up what was going on already, plus COVID, plus what continues now, uh, we're talking about trillions of dollars like never before. So this is this is uh, a, a mess. It was it's astronomical amount of money that is being pumped in, and that is the inflation. People keep saying, "Well, how are we? What are we going to do about all this inflation?" And, and you know, the inflation is going to be transitory. But they they miss the they miss the point that uh, you, you know inflation is done by the Federal Reserve. The market decides what prices would be. So uh, a lot of people say, well, how did, Ron, how did you predict that there was going to be higher prices and, and inflation? Well, I didn't predict there was going to be inflation. That was a known, known result of uh, creating $6 trillion worth of new money. The only thing that you can't do when you realize the fault is at the Federal Reserve is you can't say, how bad is it going to be? And when is it going to start? And what is the format going to be? But you do know that a recession and a correction will come and, uh, and it will be, uh, bad or worse or short or whatever, depending on government policies. And so far, our government policies worldwide have been disastrous, which is means that I believe they're guaranteeing much more problems, uh, you know, worldwide economically, because they're not even dealing with the problem directly. Well, and I think that a lot has to do with the education. I know that you run your own school uh, as a home um, homeschooling curriculum, and I really feel that public schools are not teaching the children you know, about economics or about the Fed or how any of this works. So people really think that inflation is some magical thing that just happens from the cosmos where, you know, no one can understand it, but it is easy to understand if people are taught it. Right. And uh, then they can come up and uh, they lie and fib about it. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be transitory. Oh, it's caused by one president or somebody else, uh, even though they may be a participant, that's not the cause. Uh, you know, recently we just did this program on talk about how bad Europe is. And there were multiple articles about how much worse there they are for the coming winter and the gas and uh, fuel shortages. And, but they never mentioned the problem we're talking about right now is where does this come from? Does it come out of the sky? No, uh, price changes can come out of the sky if you have a hornet, uh, hurricane or something. But no, no, it comes out of a computer when governments allow and, and, and or more or less depend on the Federal Reserve uh, propping everybody up and borrowing the money because it's all borrowed money. Uh, and and uh, the one rule that I have that I tell people 
Now, if if an individual or a company or a state government spends too much money and they live beyond their means, eventually they have to live beneath their means. And that's what our country and the world is doing right now. They pretend it because on the short run, people had full trust in the dollar and they still have a lot of trust in the dollar. And we get tremendous, <clears throat> tremendous benefits from that. But uh, the, the trust in the dollar uh, won't last. It, it has a a uh, subjectivity to it too, because of what the individuals do uh, and participate and where they spend the money and what they do or whether they say is made by many decisions. But there are some rules in economics that you can depend on. Timing is one of the things you can't depend on. But if you, if you print a lot of fiat money and pretend that you can, you know, support the economy forever and deficits don't matter, Believe me, you're defining some economic laws and you won't get away with it. Well, do you think that the rest of the world is going to catch on? I mean, they ship goods to the United States and the U.S. ships paper money back. But at some point, there's got to be a reckoning where people will say, OK, enough of this and start doing uh, transacting in their own currencies. I think that was we're seeing that with uh, commodity based currencies and things like this now. Yeah, I think it'll come because uh it's not quite on our doorstep, but it's going to come <clears throat> when when our the dollar system fails. But we already see the early stages, and I, people will say to me, "Well, the dollar's still pretty strong, you know, uh, if you measure it against all the other currencies, which are a disaster." So if if you want to measure it, uh, the value of the dollar and how close we are to the, this total disaster is: uh, Have your prices been going up? Are you paying more for gasoline? Do you pay more for your medical care? Do you pay more for your food? Do you pay more, uh, you know, for uh, heating your house? And all of a sudden, oh, that's it. Well, that's those, those are prices. No, that's the value of the dollar going down because you've already spent the value of it by borrowing into it and printing the money and diluting the value of the currency. So it's a currency problem. It's the value of the money, the monetary system. There's no unit of account. They think they believe and they're not challenged to think, well, how can you measure things in a, which should be very delicate, how the consumers and the businessmen uh, and the people who loan money, uh, how how delicate it is to try to get to that price. And only the market can do that. But they think you think, oh no, it's the Federal Reserve. They'll set they'll set the prices and they have a little knob there. Oh yeah, uh, we need a little bit more money. We need to <laughs> we need to raise the interest rate or lower the interest rate. And they don't know anything of what they're doing because they don't even talk about it. Uh, but eventually it'll get to the point, like you've been suggesting, that people are going to say it really isn't working. And that's more likely to, at the moment, happening in Europe than it is in the United States. But people are getting fr frustrated. But unfortunately, the thing that I see is that whole system causes divisiveness because it causes a maldistribution and wealth. The wealthy do benefit tremendously from a lot of this activity and the poor suffer the consequences of paying higher for their food and energy per cost. And that that makes people very angry. So people are going to get angry. And the big thing now is who are they going to get angry at? It, it, and it's real easy to say, oh, it's Trump's fault. Oh, no, it's Biden's fault. It's Putin's fault. Instead of looking at the ideas that have happened and, it, and they're all sharing the ideas to some degree uh, in a negative way. So it's uh, it's an ideological struggle, but it's been translated into a political fight and that how the politician can energize supporters and uh, and, and demagogue 
and get political power. And sometimes they're not really worried about the problems. There's a certain group of people that are just interested in gaining power and, and wealth. And uh, that's why sometimes it's hard to understand. Why would they do these very dumb things? One of the ways that it's going on right now is part of a nihilistic issue and part of what the Marxists taught is you've got to destroy the society, you destroy the economy if you really want to have true Marxism and true socialism. So some of it is by design. It's not like, oh, we made a mistake. You never hear that happen. And some of it's, I mean, if you, in our country, uh, in California, if you look at California, all the crazy things they do in several states, you can sort of pick and choose, uh, you know, which states are, uh, you know, doing, doing the most ridiculous things and they're in worse shape, but it doesn't seem like the logic hit, hits. But I think you're suggesting that there's going to be a day of reckoning and it's going to be up for grabs. And to me, there's something, something very, very important that we all must do. And that is put some money and energy and effort into spreading an answer, and that can only be found in a free society because you cannot depend on the government. I mean, our country did just great at the beginning when they emphasized the people will take care of their own money. You don't need to have the government doing that. Now we have 200,000 bureaucrats running around with guns telling people what to do, and then it got to be a disaster under COVID. This has been a disastrous thing. People should finally wake up. And during the COVID epidemic, which is ongoing, I thought it was just great. When the parents and, and I would finally get fed up and they would go to a PTA meeting and, the, and all of a sudden somebody would stand up and tell them, tell the crowd how it really is and what has to be done. And all of a sudden they started firing people. So, yes, that's the kind of thing that could happen nationally and everything because the country's going to get poorer and our people are going to get angrier. And they have to be guided toward a freer society, not to say that we just need to change change the politicians. We just need a good guy in there and uh, they'll, they'll take care of us and they'll fix it. They'll, they'll, they'll know how much money to print. So that is, that is a failure. I think, I don't think governments uh, are very helpful. I think they cause our problem. And that's why it's important for us to emphasize why freedom works and uh, know and understand it, which requires an understanding. And that's why I have my homeschooling group try to get people to understand why liberty works and people shouldn't be bashful about it. And so often uh, we as conservatives and libertarians, I think we do a lousy job. We have this magnificent philosophy, which can make people more prosperous and uh, safer and more peace. And we don't get we haven't done a very good job in spreading that message throughout all of history because there's always people who want a shortcut and there's always a politician who will offer and lie to the people how they're going to give them the shortcut. That has to be reversed because it doesn't work. Yeah, I agree completely. And as you said, you know, I think probably up until maybe five, not even five years ago, three or four years ago, I really thought that a lot of the decisions in government were because of stupidity and ignorance. And now I'm actually seeing after the last two and a half years, it's really not possible to be that stupid the way that things were handled. It has to be by design, as you said, because there's just no other explanation for how this could happen otherwise. I, I think it is. And sometimes I go back and forth and I think there are times there are mixtures <clears throat> There's probably plenty of stupidity out there, 
but there's also a significant amount of influence by very, very bad ideas who have motivation. So I sort of see them in division. You know, the average person never really gets into it, but the leadership of a community or a society is very, very important. So if you take, uh, if you take the deep state and the people that uh, run a, run things behind the scenes uh, that can operate the Federal Reserve, they're 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 probably very very smart and they know exactly what they're doing, and a lot of other people are just gullible and dumb or whatever. But I I work on the theme that you got to get leadership uh, in a position where they lead in the right right manner. That episode where the uh, People finally got fed up and went to the school board meeting. Uh, and, and one person stands up and finally tells the truth. And everybody, you know, well, yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's what we need more people like that. But they have to know what it is. And that's why people have to. It was a struggle for me because probably I went to high school and college in the 50s. And I su- suspected something uh, was, was, was wrong and because I was reading in one place. But then my teachers were teaching me something else. And then I told somebody once, which I still believe, I said, it took me a lot of years to unlearn the things I was taught in the government schools. And I imagine that's true in most parts of the world. And that is why independence is very important, especially in understanding. And right now, I thought the Internet would give us all the answers. And it is helpful. We we use the Internet. try to spread a message, but uh, that, that uh, the, the internet can spread bad ideas too. And right now the people uh, who were able to deal with the government become partners with the government. So that if, uh, if they want to enforce, you know, the authoritarianism and controls uh, on, on the people, uh, they can, uh, they can have the businessman do the enforcing. So we're, we're, uh, we're in a system of radical, uh, corporatism, which if you're not careful, corporatism always leads to fascism. Listen, I need your help for a second. Can you pause this episode right now and go to your favorite podcasting app and leave the Expat Money Show a review? Now, the biggest podcasting app in the world and the easiest one to do this on is Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, then it should be pretty straightforward. Otherwise, if you're on a desktop or a laptop, you might need to have iTunes to be able to do that. But if you go and search on expatmoneyshow.com, find the podcast and see if there's a place to leave a review. We really appreciate it. What this does is it allows other people to know that this show has value and they should check it out. We are trying to spread the word and spread freedom. And the best way I know how to do that is to move offshore and become an expat. That is the best vehicle in the world. So we're building a super strong community. We are helping thousands of people to do that. And I want you to do your part. So please do me this favor, leave the Expat Money Show a review. Let us know what you think. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Now, you mentioned the deep state. Do you have any idea who this is? Because I think a couple of years ago, if we brought up topics like this, people would call us conspiracy theories. And, um, you know, there was no merit in it. I'm kind of curious, do you have any knowing or understanding of who these people are who are really pulling the strings behind the scene? I think it's apparent they are right now. You know, it it is a a theory, but uh, it it is we're exposing people who conspire uh and the the big problem is everybody if you use those words 
then people are supposed to say, well, that's wrong. But uh, this, uh, uh, these conspiracy theories, the people who work behind the scenes, uh, you, you know, exist. And I think that sometimes, you know, you know uh, this past weekend, we had our own conference. We had several hundred people there. And, and in a way, we were conspiring. We were conspiring. How do you survive all this? Mm-hmm. So, but the conspiracy that people talk about, they, uh, they make people think that it's a conspiracy. There are 12 people. They get together every other weekend and they plan the next step. I don't think it's like that. It's a conspiracy of bad ideas. And, uh, but they do meet. I would say the, most uh, aggressive conspirator and a planner and has the most money and is, done and, and is at the top of the list of doing really uh, evil things for us is Soros, George, George Soros. But, uh, you know, there's many other that are involved. I don't think you can. And then there will be people who have a bigger clout. They'll have more political power and they'll have more money. But then there's all the people that have to go along to get their job. You know, jobs depends on satisfying that group. So I, I see it as a small number of people and they're very wealthy. But uh, George, George Soros isn't doing it all by himself. But he's sort of a typical example of what a conspirator is like. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm Canadian. I'm kind of curious your opinion about Canada over the last year with the trucker convoy, with the government reaching into bank accounts, freezing accounts. You know, this is a blatant disregard for the law and for human rights and for freedom and liberty. So I'm kind of curious uh, what your opinion is, what's happened over the last year or so with Canada. Well, I, I was cheering for the truck drivers and, and a, few, a few people started it here in the States as well. But uh, they see uh, the 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 whole thing is is the uh, the the tr- truck drivers were finally speaking out, and you know to me that episode was such a disappointment to me uh, for the Canadians, disappointing in the Canadians because uh, I remember the '60s. I was drafted in the military. I did not have to go to Vietnam, but I I was drafted, put into the the military, and there were finally when it got so bad, once again, the people spoke up by resisting and they had to go to the streets. So uh, public opinion is very, very important. And it, was, it wasn't it was getting better politicians in place. It was waking the people up in the street and say, look, we've had enough. We're not going to we're not going to go fight your wars. And so th- this uh, this was a this was a big deal. And I think that, uh, you know, the conspiracy thing is that people uh, are are really you you know are thinking about how to do it how do you combat it and uh in, with with the vietnam war this was a da- disaster but the people who stood up to it uh we were putting them in jail and punishment and destroying their lives and uh canada welcomed them they took them in and it was a civil libertarian issue and i keep thinking now I, I don't hear from them right now. And it, to me, you know, throughout the world and through the United States, uh, it's so disappointing that there was an element that I would identify with and work with. And that was the progressive, progressive uh, Democrats and uh, the progressives. They there were disagreements, you know, uh, a good progressive has an understanding of civil liberties and they tend to be more anti-war than the average Republican. Uh, but they they tend to be more. Uh, interventionist, uh, uh, you know, in economic policy. But anybody that would uh, work with me and talk to me about trying to stop the next war, uh, 
you know, there were several in Congress, not a lot, but we worked hard. We tried to make the point, don't start these stupid wars in the Middle East. And, and, uh, that was, you know, under a Republican and they, and, and we had what, two, two 20 year wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And now, now we're in Syria, but we're, we're, we're doing pretty good there. We're getting 66,000 barrels of oil out of Syria. Uh, you, you know, as a, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's doing that. That's going to backfire on us too, because, uh, eventually someday Syria might decide that they want to be Syria. And, uh, and they have some friendly neighbors there. They might get some help. But, uh, th- th- this is a, this is a real, a real problem. And I, I just think that people, you know, uh, are looking for help. And I, I don't think anybody should compromise their political principles. I don't go to people and say, you give up this and I'll give up this and we'll come together and we'll be the moderates. I want to work with the, I want to work with the progressives who are anti-war and they don't have to give up anything. If they have an economic policy that's different than mine, I'll state mine. They state there, but they should, we should come together on the things we agree on, but I can't stand the notion that, oh, I, I have libertarian beliefs. I would have to give up, you know, early on. I was probably one of the earliest to be very vocal against the stupidity of our uh, drug wars. And now, you know, the, the things have softened up a little bit on the resentment <laughs> going on with the drug war. But uh, I wasn't going to give up my position. And, uh, and the position uh was something that I survived in a conservative Bible Belt district in, in Texas. So uh, I want to work with people where you have agreements, but not to insist that they either have to agree with everything you say and do and that they don't have to give up uh, something they believe in. And, and that to me, I think, is a better way to bring people together, because right now we worldwide and for me and the United States, get more people who uh, understand how special interests, the military industrial complex, that's part of a conspiracy. The people who run the show that are on the boards of the military industrial complex and and the arms manufacturers, the pharmaceutical industry, they they have a lot of clout and a lot of power. And, uh, and and that that is uh, something that we have to contend with. But I think uh, people have to understand it because I know I've gone through a transition, you know, going when I started medical school, I, I didn't understand any reason why I should be thinking about the uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry and the FDA, I thought, was going to help the doctors sort out the drugs and figure out which ones were good or bad. Now I find out they're nothing more than part of a uh, arm of government. Uh, to enhance their power and what the, what happened to the medical profession, you know, during COVID. But maybe Canada had some of this uh, uh, problems even before COVID, because I believe so strongly in the doctor-patient relationship. They should be able uh, to uh, hold on to that. But now uh, the doctors have to be partners with corporations. That's what's happened here in the States. And there, or you have to be partners with the government. And uh, before you know it, uh, nobody even talks about the importance of the doctor-patient relationship. And that's why they became the monopolist in, co- in the COVID epidemic and the alternative care, which was available. And, and now we find out was a lot safer 
than what the government was telling us to do. So that's why the more difficult decisions we have, the less government you need and the more you need the marketplace. The market's not perfect, but I tell you what, government's less perfect. But when the government does it, it's a monolith. Everybody obeys. If in the marketplace, if there's a small group of people doing it, it doesn't have the ill effects that uh, happens when you have corporatism and uh, socialism. Well, I've been, I picked up a copy of the Nuremberg Code. Um, it's the 75th anniversary just last month of the Nuremberg Code and talking specifically about the relationship between doctors and what's happened through that. So, you know, it's been very wild to see any doctors who's been speaking out over the last couple of years about um, forced vaccination or disclosing of medical records and people losing their license and things like this. So it's just so wild watching what's been happening over the last wow. couple of years and trusted people um, that you thought had your best interests at heart. You know, there's there's actually a lot more to the story, which is really sad. Yeah. See, third-party payment is part of it. So it didn't start off with uh, in the States with all of a sudden we didn't have Medicare and Medicaid immediately. But the government started getting involved, uh, you know, incrementally until now. Now it's so bad, you know, uh, if you if you're an MD practice of medicine, you call in a drug for somebody. It's it's recorded uh, in, a, in a government, rec uh, you know, computer somewhere. Every single thing that goes on. Oh, we're protecting the patient. No, they're, they're protecting the pharmaceutical industry because you might be using hyd hydroxychloroquine or, or ivermectin. And boy, we got to stop you. Uh, they don't say. Why don't we, uh, you know, in a free market, you'd have a debate over it. We used to have real debates in medical school and medical training. People would go back and forth on the pros and cons. Now you have to just uh, obey the government. And uh, the FDA is not not the patient's friends. It's the corporation's friend. And just think of the difference between getting an approval uh, for a drug and then making a lot of money, then find out the drug doesn't do what they say. Uh, and, and right now. Uh, we haven't heard the last of the complications that are going to be coming, you know, from the vaccines. And yet they're already lining up and the people. Uh, this this would be a tough one on the are they stupid or what? Yeah. Uh, but the people have, you know, become more uh, submissive to it and accept it because they're still lingering confidence in the medical system. Uh, they're not going to hurt us. Uh, but the medical system isn't the doctor who takes care of you and your kids and they know you and you trust them. It's uh, it's the medical system is run by the FDA and Dr. Fauci. We we uh, Dr. Fauci's, you know, can you believe the epitome of him being the most highly paid bureaucrat we ever have? And uh, and uh, I, I think eventually history will straighten some of that out. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people that's going to suffer from the vaccines, especially these repetitive shots. And now we, we're all prepared to give shots to kids under five for a virus that won't even bother them. I mean, it is that is powerful propaganda. And that's another story. Who controls the propaganda is really the the ones that uh uh, you, you know, uh, run the show. And that's that's where uh, I fear the most is uh, the Internet is not uh, free enough for us to be able to get our message out. Matter of fact, we get uh, uh, we get canceled by challenging 
what was going on in medicine. And that to me is a, a real threat. Now, what, what we need is more freedom. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. And uh, everybody should make an investment in taking care of their family and their friends and being prepared for almost anything, protecting one's life and protecting, uh, you, you know, uh, one's ability to eat and take care of themselves. But the most important investment anybody can make is an investment in promoting the cause of liberty. Absolutely. I fully believe in that. And that's definitely what we're doing here at the summit. And your thoughts on the ethics and uh, medicine is very interesting. And I think, you know, we could probably spend a half a day discussing those. <laughs> I guess in our last couple of minutes here, I'm just kind of curious, your opinion for freedom going forwards, anything that other people can do practical things in their lives to have more freedom in their lives? Well, I see the, uh, the going ahead <clears throat> for me personally, is to expose uh, who's interfering <laughs> with our liberties. And that is, uh, you know, government. I think there, I personally have a strong uh, uh, belief system. I, I think there is a higher law. I think the higher law is very involved in the formation of our country. I still think there is a higher law, it's a higher spiritual law that, uh, you, you know, is not hard to figure. Even uh, it's been Judaic, it's been Christian, it's been on most of the major religion that you shouldn't lie, cheat, steal, or kill. <laughs> it's not complicated. And th those are the rules and getting people to understand that and understand that you do have uh, a right then to live your life as you choose. And you have a right to, uh, uh, you, you know, not uh, have to uh, uh, be badgered by the IRS knocking on your door all the time. So I think, I think there's so much... But I think that uh, the one thing that has challenged us is the whole principle of uh, nihilism. People who say, well, Ron, that, that's crazy. You, you can't know the truth. No, nobody has a perfect handle on the truth. But you, there, are some, there are some things that you can use objectivity in defining uh, a principle. And so many of the religions recognize that. If somebody's not hurting your body, you don't have a right to kill them. Just think how much of that goes on, and that's a, that's a that's increasing like crazy right now. So people, and another rule that I think is important to emphasize in us trying to understand, because if we don't understand ourselves, it's hard to permit, uh, you know, uh, uh, spread the message. And that is what I call the Bastia principle. Bastia, who wrote the law, he said, "Look, if you and I can't do it, we can't go to in our neighbor's house, and we can't hurt people, we can't kill people. The government can't do that." And guess who's doing that all the time? I mean, we have uh, the technology now means that if uh, our enemy is over 7,000 miles away from us, we can send a drone missile there and uh, kill him while he stands on the corner. And, uh, oh, but he was a bad guy. He was a bad guy. Yeah, but his wife was standing beside him with a baby and it killed them too. I mean, there, there has to be. This whole thing of uh, there's no guilt by a nihilist, and that's why they can depend on more government power. Mistakes don't mean anything. Just cover it up and go on to the next thing. That's why I believe in a higher law and the enemy is nihilism that says that you, there's no way of knowing what right, right and wrong is all about. And uh, if we give up that, give up on identifying right versus wrong, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a messy system. You might just go and look at some of our inner cities and you might realize what's going to happen. Amazing. 
Dr. Ron Paul, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate your insights and your wisdom as always. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest at our right. summit this year. Nice to be with you. Thank you so much. Hey, did you know that we actually do monthly webinars at expatmoney.com? That's right. If you go to our website and you go to the resource tab and you click the drop down menu, you will see one that says webinars. And every month we are putting out a new webinar presentation. And these are amazing. We've had fantastic reviews about them. And we're getting hundreds of people on the line, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on the line. And sometimes the Q&A goes on for a very long time. But we are doing webinars on Panama, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Mexico, Costa Rica. We're doing webinars on NFTs and different workshops to do with cryptocurrency. We're doing webinars on privacy and protection. And there's so many amazing webinars that are coming out. So these are completely free to attend, but you need to register for them. And I highly suggest you register in advance because a lot of them, we're completely booking out the software. There's actually a max with these softwares, how many people that they can hold. And I think on the last two or three of them, we completely maxed out the room. So that means that no more people could register. So if you guys go to expatmoney.com, go to the resource tab, go to the dropdown, and you'll see webinars. Click on that and you will see all the upcoming webinars and participate. Join in, get your questions answered. It's an amazing resource. And if you're not participating, well, I just don't know what to tell you because these are fantastic. Anyways, go to expatmoney.com, sign up for our upcoming webinars. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com.